Well, good morning to you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors, and we are jumping in to a new series right now entitled Seven. Entitled Seven. We're going to be looking throughout the Gospel of John at both, yes, the seven miracles of Jesus that he is performing in this Gospel, but also the seven I Am statements. So I'd like to go ahead and invite you to open up to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, now, this is not the first miracle that we find in the Gospel of John. Uh, John chapter 2, we find Jesus taking water, turning it into wine at the wedding at Cana. At the end of John chapter 4, we then see Jesus healing the official son. John chapter 5, we find this man who had been an invalid. It's called the healing of the man at, at the pool of Bethesda. Um, and now we come to John chapter 6. And there's two different miracles that we find here in John chapter 6. You have the feeding of the 5,000 right here at the very beginning of John chapter 6. And then afterwards, we have Jesus walking on water. So we're going to go ahead and start there. We know that we've already covered those first couple in the last few months. Uh, we'll come back to John chapter 5 with the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. One of my favorite passages. I've preached here before. I absolutely love it. I think there's so much meaning in that passage for us. But today we're looking at this series called Seven. The Seven Miracles and the Seven I Am Statements. As we get to Really, it's going to help us evaluate more of who Jesus is and who he desires for us to be and how he desires for us to live as we look at this passage. Um, the feeding of the 5,000 is one of the reasons I think people love it so much. It's a, it's a powerful story, feeding 5,000. Those 5,000 men, we know it's probably well over 10,000 total with women and children at the time. Uh, it's one of the few uh, miracles that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And so we're going to be able to examine that and really allow God to speak into our own hearts. We know that this is one of those miracles, yes. We also know that God did other signs. He did other miracles that we don't even have recorded. Uh, it tells us in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, if we look at this passage here, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Jesus performed miracles. He was the Son of God. He was fully human, fully divine. He was perfect in all that he did. And he's doing these signs and these wonders, these miracles. And people have taken notice. Now, the Gospel of John also is very clear that they are looking, the people are following Jesus often because they see the signs that he's doing. They look at that and they're like, hey, I, I want some of that, right? I want to see one of those miracles. I want to be a part of one of those miracles or one of those signs. They're looking for something that would allow them to think about Jesus in a greater way. Is he more than just a prophet? Is he more than just maybe even a miracle worker? And so they're looking for these signs and we see that over and over it tells us in that passage with John chapter 20, it says, but they're written, these, these miracles, these things are written about so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he's doing these things. He's wanting to, to spark the faith, to spark the heart within people so that they would come to a place of belief, of believing in who he is. And so let's just go ahead right now and jump in. John chapter 6, and I would like to begin with verse 5. And if you would, I know that you haven't been sitting down that long, um, but let's go ahead and stand up together for the reading of the Word of God. It is precious and it is amazing. So John chapter 6, 
verse 5 and following, it says, the, it says this. It says, lifting, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. So also the fish, so much, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. You may be seated right where you are. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. We already know that even as we jump into John chapter 6, We can go back just a few verses to the very beginning, uh, to verse 2 and following. It says, he's coming off the Sea of Galilee, and it says, a large crowd was following him. Why? Well, just as we've already stated, because they had been seeing Jesus perform different signs. It says, a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And so he goes out and he lifts up his eyes and he sees that this large crowd is coming toward him. And I mean, think about the masses of people, thousands of people coming in and Jesus is going, we need to feed these people. Now, we know that this miracle, this amazing thing that Jesus was doing, when he saw the crowd, um, do I think that he could have easily recognized their physical hunger without a doubt? But when he saw the crowd and when his, he lifted up his eyes and he turns and he sees all of these individuals coming toward him, more than anything else, Jesus saw their spiritual hunger. He saw their spiritual need, that they didn't fully recognize who he was. And the one thing that we're going to learn in this passage is that Jesus is the bread. We, we've got to understand that he's also one of those I am statements that we're going to walk through. It tells us in John chapter 6, verse 35, says that I am the bread of life. I, I am the bread of life. And he calls us out. He says, he who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. And so he's wanting to help the people understand right away and this is, know the, the primary point of this passage, very, very simply, is Jesus is calling out, and he doesn't simply give bread, he is the bread. Jesus doesn't simply give bread, he is the bread. Yes, he recognizes sometimes our physical hunger, but he also recognizes our spiritual hunger, our spiritual need. And he's wanting the people to know, if you really want to eat, not be thirsty again, and not be hungry again, you need to, you need to recognize that I am the bread of life. We see it right away. He begins to see these people and he, he tests his disciples. He's like, hey, how are we going to feed them? 
And it tells us also, he knew what he was going to do, but he asked the question anyway. So one calls out and says, hey, here's one of his disciples. It will take 200 denarii for us to be able to even start to do anything at all. In fact, it tells us in this passage, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get even a little. And 200 denarii would have been comparable to a year's wage. A year's salary for somebody. And they're saying, we don't have this. Come on. We, we We can't meet this need. I am certain that they saw realistically a need and they didn't plan on God doing the miracle of meeting that need. Maybe you're living in a life right now where you have a need and you don't plan on God actually meeting the need that you have. You don't think he can truly step in and meet that need. That when even I may say, you know what, God can answer this. You go, no, it's not possible. You know what, God is a God of miracles. God is a God of miracles. We need to step into that. We need to understand that. And so he's giving this test. Even Andrew, he speaks with, Andrew's speaking with practicality rather than with faith. How often do we speak to God? We think God can work based on our understanding of what is practical, what is logical, rather than understanding that God is a God of miracles. Well, I think that maybe this could happen. I think maybe God could do this. I think maybe Jesus could use me for this. I think I could maybe understand God more if he would just do this. And we speak even with our faith in terms of what's logical, what's practical, rather than what is based on an understanding that he is a God of miracles. And so we're reminded that he doesn't simply give bread, that Jesus is the bread. Are you even, are you hungry? Maybe today's message will challenge you to ask the question, are you hungry for Jesus? Are you hungry for more of him in your life? And what that means for us. Now, I need to go ahead and tell you, one of the reasons I love this miracle so much is because it's, here are all these people. We know that they've been following him, right? And they've been witnessing these signs It's addressed several times in the first few chapters of John. Addressed here again. It's addressed in John chapter 20. People are following him because of these signs that they see. And so they keep observing different things that Jesus has been doing. Or even better yet, they're hearing, Hey, did you hear about this guy Jesus doing this sign and healing this person? Or, hey, did you hear about Jesus? This is the guy who was at the wedding of Cana, right? He's been traveling. We've seen these maps and we start looking at it. He's a guy who's been traveling around. He's in Cana and he did this miracle. He took water. He turned it into wine. Already here, he could have been, these people are like, hey, did you hear about the official son? The official came to Jesus, man. We know this person. And he came to Jesus and he says, come, my son is sick. That's the end of John chapter 4. Right now, outside of Jerusalem, there would have been this pool, right? Pool of Bethesda, John 5. They might have heard, hey, do you hear about this invalid? Everybody knew this invalid. It's been there forever and ever, over 30 years. And yet here comes John, and he's letting people know, hey, do you hear about what took place? People were seeing these signs, and they were, they were observing them. They were hearing about them. But in John chapter 6, the feeding of 5,000 people, no longer... Are you going to have 10,000 plus people observing or hearing about a miracle? You're going to see a bunch of people who get to participate in the miracle of Jesus. And there are too many people in the church today 
And it's why some walk away from the church. I am convinced that so many walk away from the church because the faith that they once claimed is because they heard about it rather than participating in the miracle of Jesus himself. They never stepped in. And their parents, maybe your parents, told you about the miracle of Jesus. And they told you about what Christ did for those who call upon his name to rescue us from our sin, to conquer death. And look at what God did by the giving of his son so that all who believe might have eternal life. And you've heard about it and you've even observed others who speak about it. But you've never actually stepped in and participated in the miracle for yourself. John chapter 6, it all changes. Thousands of people are about to participate in a miracle. And we're going to see all of that. In fact, that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants you to be a participant in his miracle, not only observe it. He wants you to be a participant. He wants you to recognize that the miracle has also been done for you, not simply for others, something that you hear about from others. He wants you to step in and be a participant in it, not simply observe it, not simply hear about it because, hey, you got to hear about what my friend said this other guy did. That's what makes it your faith. That's what makes it your faith. That's all we would tell you all the time. You can't give your faith to someone else. Parents, you can't give your faith to your children. They have to make a decision of whether or not they will step into that miracle that God has also performed for them, that God has also done for them, that they themselves would recognize that Jesus is the bread of life. And not only that, but man, when they... Can I tell you one of the things that happens when you participate in the miracle of Jesus for your own life, that you recognize that he's the bread of life? When you eat of him, right? That's why we share in a communion and we remember that he is the body of Christ, right? We recognize that we're taking that bread to say, man, he broke his body for us. We remember that. We observe that. One of the things that takes place when that really begins to soak in in your own life is you recognize that Jesus is a God of plenty. It tells us that even though here comes Andrew, he's like, hey, well, we got a kid with some fish and some bread. It just shows the ability of Jesus to use just even the little that you have. You may not think you have much, but also it teaches us that God, through Jesus, he's a, he's a God of plenty. They have 12 basketfuls left over after this because Jesus took it, and that's what God can do. God can take, Jesus can take the smallest of things and turn it into something that is absolutely magnificent. Right? We've used words about this story over and over again. Where Jesus takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Listen, Jesus took the ordinary in us, and he makes it extraordinary when he says, I'm going to give you my grace and my forgiveness and my mercy. We serve an extraordinary God, a marvelous God, a magnificent God. And so we see this unfolding. But what's interesting here is that even though here the people, thousands of people get to step in and participate in a miracle of God. At the very end it tells us they still see him as a prophet. They're, they're not fully comprehending the entirety of the reason for Jesus coming. You see, one of the reasons, I think, is because they couldn't think beyond what they've already experienced. I think that's hard for us, isn't it? 
it's hard for us to, to think beyond what we've already experienced in our own life. Ask the, we have to ask ourselves, are you participating in the miracle of who Jesus is and what he has for you and being the bread of life? Are you stepping in? Are you participating in that? And I do think that there, there, there are a couple of reasons that we struggle to participate in the miracle of who Jesus is. There are, I, I want to address that. I want to talk a couple of reasons why we struggle to embrace the miracle of who Jesus is. And then I want to talk about some reasons how we can participate in the miracle of who Jesus is for us. One of the reasons that we struggle to to truly live in the miracle of Jesus is I don't think we can wrap our heart around faith because our mind can't understand. Our heart struggles to wrap itself around faith because our mind struggles to understand. And we want to understand, to comprehend everything before we accept it, before we buy into it. That might be you. You might be one of those people who you just can't buy into Jesus because it doesn't make sense to you. And yes, we know that that's faith. Faith is saying, you know what, I don't fully comprehend it. I don't understand it. I never will. But God has gotten a hold of my heart and I believe, I receive, I accept who Jesus is. That's faith. But our heart doesn't often embrace faith because our mind can't understand. Our mind can't comprehend. Our mind can't process who God is. That's one of the reasons we struggle to participate in the miracle of who Jesus is in our own life. Another reason that we struggle to sometimes participate in the miracle of who Jesus is, that he is the bread of life, that we struggle to live surrendered to him, is because, man, do we like to play it safe. We like everything to be logical. We like everything to be practical. Here comes right one of the disciples. Hey, well, hey, listen, I've got... Five, right? Five pieces of bread. I got a couple of fish. It's all we got. We can't do much with it. We don't see beyond what we think is normal, right? We are setting new norms right now. Did you know you're setting new norms right now? You're doing it. Even in the midst of everything that's happening with COVID-19 and we're not here worshiping together, but you're still setting new norms. And so often we fail to see beyond these norms that we have in life and we want to play everything safe. In the last two months, how many of you have stepped in and said, God, I'm in no matter what? Or how many of us have said, you know, I, guys, things have changed. We need to, we need to play it safe. And I'm not saying to not heed warnings. I'm not saying that we should be irresponsible. But man, does Satan love it when we play it safe. Fun biblical challenge today with your family. Go to your family and ask them, name one person that God used in a radical way that at the time the the world would have said, that's playing it safe. God uses so often those people who are willing to step beyond the safe, beyond the norms, and to be used by him in a, in a mighty way. And that's part of what it looks like to participate in the miracle of Jesus. That's part of what it looks like 
for your family to say, you know what, we're going to do some things differently. And while it may not feel safe, it may not feel comfortable to us, we're going to step into that anyway. I'm t- so many of us are not allowing ourselves to step in and participate in the miracle of who Jesus is and what he really has for us because we can't see beyond five pieces of bread and two fish that God can take even the little that we have and do something marvelous with it. To speak about that, it tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So many of us have deceived ourselves into thinking that we are participating in the miracle of Jesus and the fullness of who he is, and actually all we've ever done is heard about it. Hearing about it is not participating in it. But participating in it means there is a life that's transformed to do radical things for the kingdom of God. So let's do this. Let's, let's talk about what it means to participate. If you are a participant in the miracle of who Jesus is, what does your life look like? What does that mean? Well, if you are truly a participant in the miracle of who Jesus is, first and foremost, it means that you eat substance. Truly, I mean, of that day, like if you had bread, bread symbolized substance. It symbolized fulfillment, something of value. That's what it meant for them. They didn't, they didn't have all the options that we have today. When we run down the street to a grocery store and we see all the different things, bread represented fulfillment. Bread represented substance. And it means that you're eating substance. It means that you recognize that he is the bread. And you begin to fully buy into Jesus. That you stop looking for other things to provide you fulfillment. That you stop looking at alcohol for fulfillment. That you stop looking at food for fulfillment. Guys, I need to tell you, food is one of the greatest deceivers that we have. That we actually keep eating over and over. Something to provide comfort. Something to provide fulfillment. And then we run back and we keep doing it over and over again. Because it has no eternal substance. Jesus has eternal substance. And we don't want to talk about it. And the reason we don't want to talk about gluttony in our society is because too many of us have an issue with it. It would offend too many people. But Jesus is the bread of life. He's the one who provides fulfillment. He's the one that truly allows us to see all that can happen in our life. And so if you are a participant in the miracle of who Jesus is, it means you eat substance. You rely on Christ for fulfillment and not alcohol, not not eating, right? Not looking at pornography, not all these other things that provide fulfillment for just a flash or a moment. And then within no time at all, we're running back to it. So if you're participating in the miracle of who Jesus is, one of the things that that means for you is that you're eating substance. Another thing that that means is that you're willing for God to change your desire 
from temporary to eternal. Now, this is language we use often here at Chapel Point because I think it's so important. We're willing for God to change our desire from temporary to eternal. We're willing for God to go, wait a second here. It tells me that I need to, to pick up my own cross, to take up my own cross. I need to run with it. I need to bear my own cross so that I can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I need to allow God to remove other things in my life so that I can be filled with him. It ties so perfectly in with eating substance, we recognize the difference between the two. Jesus came to change our desire from temporary to the eternal. We need to live a life that says, I know the miracle of Jesus. Luke 14, 27, at the end of Luke chapter 14 is a section, it's just called the cost of discipleship. It's really looking at the cost of being a disciple. And this is what he says in Luke 14, 27. What it says is that whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It means that, listen, if you're not willing to pick up your faith and take it with you everywhere you go, you're not participating in the miracle that I have for you. Might have heard about it, but you're not participating. That's why it tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Might want to write this one down. Galatians 5:24 it says, "Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires." If you're participating in the miracle of Christ, what this says is that if you belong to Jesus, you are willing to crucify the sinful nature. That's another thing I want I want to make sure you write down. Crucify the sinful nature. If you're participating in the miracle of Jesus, it means you identify those things that aren't actually providing fulfillment. You're going to call those things out and you're going to acknowledge them. And you're going to come and say, you know what? I need to crucify the sinful nature. I need to allow everything in me that's not of Jesus to be ripped out. And I know this is not common language. We want things to be nice and orderly. And we want things, hey, you can challenge me a little bit. You can not challenge me this much. We, that's how we often do church. I'm simply here to tell you this. Jesus Christ came to do a miracle for you and he wants you to fully step into that and for you to fully step into that you need to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you have things that you need to repent for but our God is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness so you want to crucify the sinful nature in you so that Christ can well up in you are you willing to allow that to happen To identify that in you which is not fully of Jesus. To allow other people to go, hey, hey God, invite your friend in. Invite your loved one in. Invite a spouse in and say, hey, can you identify some things that are in me maybe that aren't of Jesus? Could you be that strong of a person, that secure of a person to invite that? And then do what's necessary to crucify the sinful nature. Galatians 5.24. Because you belong to Jesus and you're living, participating in the miracle that he has for you. And so, yes, we want to eat substance. We want to be willing for God to change our desire from temporary to eternal. And we want to crucify the sinful nature. Sinful nature. But then also, can I encourage you one more thing to write down there? Just find anywhere on the page there and write this down. We want to live the miracle. We want to live the miracle. 
We want to live a life that reflects that we are part of the miracle of Jesus. And that's a hard thing to do. But we need to live the miracle. We need to live the miracle of the victory that we now have. We need to live the miracle by forgiving ourselves, by living in the security of Christ rather than insecurity of our own sinful nature. In fact, when it says crucify the sinful nature, one of the greatest things that we need to crucify is the lack of forgiveness that we have for ourselves. You need to put it to rest. You need to forgive yourself. You need to... You need to stop living in a place where you don't think that God can use what you have because of what you've done in the past. Our God is merciful and forgiving. And by the way, if some person chooses not to forgive you, that is not a reflection upon Jesus Christ. He chooses to forgive you. So let the right voice speak into your heart. Some of us need to live the miracle by forgiving ourselves. Some of us need to live in the miracle by recognizing that we don't have to constantly fall to the insecurities that we are living by. Of continually doubting that God can use us. God can use some fish and some bread from a little boy. God can use anything from anyone at any time. He can redeem you. He can renew you. And he can bring you to his throne. We serve a powerful and a mighty God. And so are you living in the miracle of Jesus? Are you living a life right now that says, you know, I'm a child of God. I live fully and I embrace all of who he is. I live fully for Jesus Christ. Are you living the miracle of Jesus? Are you living the miracle of Jesus? Some of us need to live the miracle by allowing the peace of Christ to be more dominant in our lives than the stress of the world. I am fully aware that the majority of people who are watching me today are people who claim to be participating in the miracle of Jesus in their own life. Now, for those of you who have not said, you know, I want to participate in the miracle of Jesus. I want to, I want to accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I invite you to do so because you've got to know that Jesus absolutely annihilated death for you. <laughs> we would love to always speak to you about that. You can always send us a message, text us, call us, whatever you need to. But for the majority of you who claim already to be in a place where you are participating in the miracle of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to actually examine that. To live in the miracle of Jesus and to say, you know what, I need to start living in the miracle of Jesus by allowing his strength to walk me through the hard, to Stop living in my own weaknesses and to start living in the victory of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you know that you need to step fully more into participating in the miracle of Jesus that he has for you, if you want to live differently because our life, your life as a believer in Jesus, is supposed to look significantly different than anybody else. Not a little different, a lot. And so if you want to live in the miracle of Jesus right now more than ever before, I don't care where you are, if you would just raise your hand. I'm ra I'll raise both my hands. I'm in. I'm in. Let your kids see you do it. Let your neighbors see you do it. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to say, why are you raising your hand? Because I want to live, I want to participate in the miracle of Jesus Christ in my life.
But I'll give you some, I want to give you some very specific ways to do that. This is what I would like for you to be able to do. I want you to ask yourself, are you looking or living in the miracle of Jesus? Are you looking for a miracle of Jesus? Or are you living in the miracle of Jesus? You got to ask yourself that question. And if you're actually living in the miracle of Jesus, I want to give you some ways that you can do that today. One, um, for some of you, God has called you to be the spiritual leader of your home and you have yet to truly be the spiritual leader of your home. And let's just call it out. Let's be honest. The reason why is because maybe you've never had it before. You've never seen it. And so it scares you to think about praying for your family. It scares you to think about praying for your kids. I'll give you an example. I love, I get to run uh, occasionally with one of my kids, with one of my daughters. And it's one of the highlights of my week. I don't even enjoy running that much, but just because she's doing it with me, I get excited for it. And now every time we run, as we're running, I just start praying, God bless my daughter. Fill her with your presence. Give her your strength to not only run, but to live life running for you. And I just start praying for her. And before I know it, it's been several minutes. Maybe that's one way to do it. But some of you have been called to be a spiritual leader and you're not fully participating in the miracle that Jesus has for you because you won't step up and lead the way God wants you to lead. Some of you are afraid of having to say, I'm sorry, I haven't done this before. Suck it up and get over it. We don't have, guys, God has too much for us to do. Some of you need to start living fully in the miracle of Jesus by, like I said before, by actually forgiving yourself. And you need to be the one raising your hand and say, I'm going to forgive myself. And if someone around you right now is always reminding you of your past, you need to ask them to silence their voice unless they're going to push you toward Jesus. And if you're a spouse of anybody out there, your job is to push your spouse toward Jesus Christ. That's your job. That is what you signed up for when you... You sign into a covenant before the Almighty. It basically says, I will do everything I can to push my spouse and to push my kids, to push my neighbors, to push everybody I know toward the throne of Jesus. And so you just need to acknowledge that you haven't had the courage and the guts you need, but right now you're going, I'm going to start living in the courage and the guts that I need. And you're going to start living in the miracle of Jesus Christ. Some of you need to acknowledge that you need help with something that has captivity over your heart other than Jesus. And you need to acknowledge it, you need to call it out, and you need to claim it. Will you do that? Will you live in the miracle of Jesus in your life? Acknowledging that God sent His Son, here's a miracle. And God sent his son into the picture to say, I am the bread, I'm fulfillment, I am the life, I am worth following, I am worth suffering for, I have done it all for you, and I'm going to crush death on your behalf. And that miracle was for you. And so now when we're able to live a life and that type of understanding when we embrace having that type of faith, what happens is our families start to look different and our churches start to look different and our neighborhoods start to look different. Will you live in the miracle of Jesus? 
And so, God, I pray for my friends who are out there right now watching this, that you just jump into their heart, that you give them the courage to live in the miracle that you have for them, the miracle that you are the bread of life. Let them know, let them declare that they know and understand they cannot find fulfillment in anything other than you. May we stop chasing after things that are temporary. May we run toward that which is eternal. May we run to your feet, God. May we crucify the sinful nature because we so badly want to participate in the miracle of Jesus more than we ever have before. Lord, we worship you and we praise you and we confess that we are sinners, but yet you have forgiven. You're a gracious God, a merciful God. name.